everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. We've been in this series the last three weeks, and today we're wrapping up a series called Belonging. And we began by talking about the realization that all of us, every human, really, not just those in this room, every human has a very deep-seated need to belong. We have this desire to belong, to have a people who love us and whom we love and, and, and a people, that a tribe that we connect to. And this desire has come from God. God made us this way. The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Genesis, made a declaration, let us make man in our image. God didn't make us because he needed relationship. He already had relationship. There was perfect community in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect fellowship, perfect uh, connection. And it was out of that perfect connection and belonging and unity of the Trinity that we were birthed. And not just made to have fellowship with God, but with each other. Scripture says that God looked at man and said, man, it's not good for you to be alone. And it was in community that we had this completeness and this wholeness of belonging that we are intended to have. As a result of our sin and rebellion, sin came into the earth and our relationship was severed because God is a holy God. He has nothing to do with sin. And so there was this chasm that was created because of our iniquity that separated us from that relationship. But because God's plan was for us to walk in relationship with him, he had a most perfect solution and provision in himself that Christ would come, God in flesh. Theological term is this hypostatic union of 100% God, 100% man, to fully satisfy the debt of our sin and so that we, once again, would not have to walk in rejection but would walk in belonging. Not just being reunited and reconciled to God but to one another. And as great as belonging and being a part of a people and having people that you can love and that love you is and can be, on this side of eternity, that junk is hard. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that. I'm just saying, when Jesus returns and everybody got glorified bodies and everybody's breath smells good, everybody like you know, uh, who knows? You know, people have different predictions of what eternity looks like. Like, do you like everybody, like you, you cross over and everybody's like 23 or wherever your peak performance was, whenever that glory day was. Some of us, it might have been like eight or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not 13 or 14 or anything like that. But, you know, it's easy when there, and the scripture says there's there's no tears and there's no death and there's no, all these, there's no offense. Man, that, that's going to be great. We ain't there yet. Some of y'all can't stand. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, you just know it, right? There's just some people you're like, I love you because Jesus says I got to love you, but we probably ain't going to break bread too much. I mean, we're just being transparent. It's a, relationships are hard, right? It's just like we dedicate these babies and they're sweet, but I like, I kind of like that Lily cried this morning because that's life. Like life is not the little Instagram filtered picture of our babies doing whatever Pinterest thing we came up with that day. You know, you see, you know, people's families on Pinterest and it's all like, ah, you know, perfect filter, you know, a little bit of sun flare in the background. Man, that ain't life. Do you know how many times they had to say, look at the camera, look at the camera, stop punching your sister. What are you doing? Just to get that one picture. Like at some point, Kelly and I, we don't even like, sometimes we're just like, you know what? Just take that picture. We just let people feel good about themselves. And let them know we didn't have a good one to turn out. It's hard. It's hard. Belonging is hard. It doesn't happen accidentally. Like marriage. Marriage is great. I love marriage. I'm thankful for marriage. There's great benefits to it. Marriage is hard. Thank you. Some of you, like, you got real quiet because it's hard right now. And you don't want to say amen too loud. It might change the afternoon for you. Like, Pastor, don't screw this up, man. I've been waiting. I have been waiting. All right, all right. It's hard. It's tough. Because the reality is here, to belong and to build a culture of belonging and, and a culture of unity and right relationships, it requires a commitment to connection. Like, a commitment, a, a sacrificial commitment, a commitment that can take a punch and not look for the exit. And the good news is God knew that. And so he has provision for us. And so I'm, I'm going to just, today, I just want to focus really right there because we can talk about how great it is and we can know mentally, as I talked about, we can know mentally, yeah, that's great. But we don't just talk up here, I don't just talk up here, we don't have these moments just so that we can have a moment and then just go and live however we can figure it out. We come here because we believe that God's word is true. And he gave us this word because he knew we'd need it to live. And because this thing is worth it. So would you turn to me? We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. We're going to have this up on the screens. So in Acts chapter 2, for those of you familiar with this passage, you would know that this is where we see the great encounter of Pentecost. And this is Jesus has been buried has been raised to life, and he has told the disciples, he's told his followers, and he's given them this great exhortation about going out into all the world and making the disciples. But he says, before you go, you need to wait, because the Holy Spirit is coming. You need this Spirit. You need my Spirit to fill you, to fulfill this ministry and this, this call. And so the beginning of Acts 2, we see this incredible encounter where 
the disciples and others are gathered in this upper room and the, Holy, the Spirit of God comes and manifests with this, these tongues of fire. It basically looked like they were burning and they began to speak in other languages. And, and this was a unique time in the village because there were people from all of the different areas of the known world who had been gathered in Jerusalem during this time. This was doing, during a Jewish feast uh, known as, uh, was it Shavuot? And basically, this came about 50 days after the Passover, and it was a celebration to celebrate the time that Moses had received, Moses had received the, tabric, uh, the tablets of the law. And so people from all the different areas, from Asia, from Africa, from, uh, from the Middle East, from Iran, and, and from the far, as far as the Roman Empire in every which way, were gathered and they began to hear the great news of the gospel in their own language. It was crazy. It was so crazy that people, when they overheard what was happening, thought they were drunk. Like, it's like going near Broad Ripple on the wrong night. That ain't Pentecost. Right? It was wild. It was amazing. But there was a transforming work. And we see one of the things that I'm going to read here is we see Peter who had just not long ago denied Christ three times because of fear and insecurity has now been in, in, infused with the Holy Spirit and a boldness comes upon him to speak and declare the gospel to a people from all over. And so he says these words. Verse 36 of chapter 2. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It said, now when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Then it says further in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people the Lord added. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the community that you've been building since time began. And Lord, I thank you for the community that you're building even currently and what you're helping us to walk out. Lord, we trust you. We need you. We're desperate for you. God, help us to understand your word in these brief moments that we have this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Gabby, are you good? Are you good to hang for a little bit? All right, thank you. Give Gabby a hand. She's on. You're going you're gonna to love Gabby, because Gabby's going to help me. She's going to help me. Um, in the time I have, I just want to exhort on this key thing. 
when it comes to building a culture of belonging, this kind of community that God has called us to, as I said, it does not happen accidentally. It requires a commitment. It requires a commitment and an intentionality to connecting with each other, to to building around God's word and what he's called us to. Because the reality is, if we don't, if we don't own it, if we don't truly embrace it and make it ours and we just succumb to the cultural norms of attending, just showing up, paying alms, doing whatever, you know, you know, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. What do I need to do? How many Hail Marys do I need to do? How many old ladies do I have to kiss and babies do I have to shake? You know, what? We don't shake babies. We don't shake babies. <laughs> yes, we don't. No. I've contemplated it with Johnny, but no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. The bottom line is, if that is what we are okay with, there's consequences that come with that. Okay? So when we don't commit, when we don't buy in, when we don't become owners of a community of faith, then there's kind of three things that I notice. Number one, things get overgrown. What does that mean? That means when you don't own something, it's always somebody else's problem. It's always somebody else's problem. You know, when, when you see a need, you don't think about solving it or thinking of creative ways or what you can do. You just convince somebody else to come by and get that. It's like how often do you walk in the streets of Indianapolis or you walk through Broad Ripple and you see a cigarette butt or you see some trash on the ground and you just walk by it? Why? Well, there's street cleaners. Somebody else is going to do that. You know, I, I think of even just... The time that I served, my first job in the church, the first job I ever got paid a dime for in the church is the associate custodian, all right? Let me tell you about the associate custodian, right? It's like being assistant to the regional manager. You know what I'm saying? It's like you get to do the things that the custodian doesn't want to do. So like he walks in the bathroom, it's like, oh, Lord. Hey, John. Like I already know, I already know. But uh, children exploded and somebody exploded. You know, it's like call the cleanup man. And it was amazing because it was my job and I owned it. Even long after I had that job, it's so hard for me to walk anywhere and see a piece of paper and just leave it. I pick it up. Why? Because I take ownership. It's like I tell our kids if they walk in this YMCA and you see trash, pick it up. Take ownership. Why? Because if you don't own it, it just becomes some other body, somebody else's issue. And then what happens is over time, all the issues pile up. All the stuff piles up. And the people that do own it and the few people that do take ownership, they willingly, they want to serve, they get overwhelmed, they get burnt out, things get overgrown. You know, it's like if you have a lot of property or you have a big yard, sometimes it's like, man, we've got, we love, we want to have a yard for our boys. And there's times that I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I want this yard right now, Jesus, because I see these weeds or like, like a mole comes. I hate critters. I hate critters. I just to be honest with you, I just want to shoot them. Like, I just wish there was, that was illegal. Like, I just want to go sometimes to these little holes and just be like, ba 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 You know, keep the change, you filthy animal. You know, I'm telling you, I, I, I feel that. I want somebody else. I want it to be somebody else's problem. 
But I understand that if I don't own it, you know, if I was just renting, I just call the landlord, hey man, take care of this. But when you own, it's your problem. When we own it, we share in the sacrifice. We own it, we're not looking for somebody to pass it off to. Maybe we looked at somebody to do this with. You own it. If we don't, it gets overgrown. The other issue that can often happen is it gets, we get ingrown. If we don't own this thing, if we, if we don't transition from just being consumers to owners and really being committed, what happens is we just create a very uh, selfish environment that becomes way more about serving our specific pet needs than reaching people and helping people. See, what was interesting about the passage that we just read is on this day of Pentecost, you literally have people from many different nations, different cultures, different languages that all find themselves in the same city because of this feast that's happening, happening, this Jewish festival that's happening. And all of these people, many of them, begin to hear the gospel and the greatness of God in their own language. What we don't know is how long that lasted. Like we don't know if that dispensation of the, and the manifestation of the Spirit that allowed them to be able to speak in other tongues and they didn't understand it but the other people are hearing it in their tongue. We don't know, did that last for like a week, for a month? And so they have this encounter with God and then the next day they're like, okay, well we gotta like build community together or something? Like what's going on? It wasn't just them selling their possessions just for nothing. You literally, you had people who had come from other countries, they're hungry, they've been cut to the heart and they didn't come planning on a revival breaking out. You had these tight-knit communities, and particularly during times of persecution. This wasn't during a time where it was popular to say, like, you're a follower of the way. And so you now had people, foreign people from every different land, and God is calling them to actually build a family with these people and create an environment where they walk into your home and they don't feel like they're the outsider. Where they come in and they don't, there's already going to be language barriers. But you, I mean, people don't even agree. If you've seen the movie Rush Hour, it's like you see Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, and they can't even agree on the radio station. Like, I love my wife. We can't agree on the radio station sometimes, you know. And here, there was an environment that was so committed to reaching out. That they, we, they couldn't afford to just to be ingrown. If we're going to commit and be owners of this kind of community, and just to give you an FYI, here at City of Lights, what that community looks like, it looks multi-ethnic. It looks multi-generational. It means we're going to have a culture of honor. We're going to honor the older generation. We're going to honor the younger generation. We're going to honor each other's backgrounds and experiences and speak over them what God speaks over them. And what that means is you're going to have words that when you say them one way, it means nothing to you. But when you say it, it deeply offends this brother or sister. Y'all with me this morning? I need to know I'm with you. We're, we're in this thing. This is, this is what it looks like. And that rather than saying, get over it. What's the big deal? Well, who cares if I use this word? That we're committed to the relationship. That we're committed to building a culture of belonging, that we're willing to submit our preferences to the Lord.
submit our pet needs and preferences. Gosh, why do we always do these songs? I don't like these songs. That we can submit these things so that we can walk in the kind of community that is welcoming and hospitable, that considers others more than ourselves. If not, we become ingrown. And what happens when that happens? We just begin to die off. You know, a lot of people, when we were planting this church, they would ask me, why are you planting a church? Aren't there enough churches in Indianapolis? There's a church in every corner in the Midwest. And in some situations, there are church buildings on multiple corners. But not every church building is filled. Quite frankly, there's, there's some church buildings that once were created and built to, to house hundreds who have 12. It's not an exaggeration. Why? Because many of them, they became ingrown. There was no life coming out of them. We could become overgrown, we become ingrown, and then what happens? We just don't grow at all. We choke out the life. Selfishness chokes it out. Our preferences choke it out. Everyone else's problem becomes this overwhelming thing to where it just has completely surrounded us, and then people just move on to the next thing. God's calling us to tend our garden. God's calling us to be a people to commit to him, to connecting with him and with each other and with the lost. Now, when we talk about the community, we of course are part of the body of Christ, universal, but God also develops and cultivates little tribes. City of Lights is a little tribe. You know, it's just like we have family, we have spiritual family, and then you have the family that you're stewarding at home. And there are certain things that we believe, we say that City of Lights exists to connect the people, ignite a city, and light the world for the glory of God. And the first thing that we focus on is connection. Because we understand that everything begins with connection. Everything begins by connecting with the Spirit of God. See, I could give you, and at times I will give you a list of what are the things that we need in order to have this kind of community. But the most important and the most essential thing that we see in in Acts 2 wasn't all the systems, though you need systems. You need some level of organization. Like I understand at this phase of my life, when we have five children and we've got everybody's schedules and my schedule, if I might, I love people know me, I'm an extrovert, I love to connect with people, I love to connect with people, I love to connect with food, so I love to connect with food and people. Fellowship and breaking the bed, that is my jam. We're good. But I understand that in the reality of my life, if I don't have a calendar and you don't get on it, it's going to be like that old, you know, video, that little video sketch where people meet up and they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in 15 years. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh man, we should get together. Oh yeah, let's get together. When should we get together? What about next Friday? Oh, I'm too busy next Friday. And then before you know it, they're like, okay, I'll see you. Like, you can come to my funeral. Because we get so busy. We get so overwhelmed. 
We have to have systems. Systems are a good thing. That's great. We have to have intention. We have to have sacrifice. But you know what we need more than anything? What we need more than anything to be able to walk this thing out, more than we need more than anything to take ownership, is we need the spirit of the living God abiding on the inside of us, not only to sustain the work, but to keep it burning. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave. What does that tell me? That tells me God was compelled. His his giving was compelled by compassion. His pursuit was compelled by his love. And if we can be filled with his love, if we can be filled by his passion, we're going to love other people. Y'all with me this morning? If we're filled by his love, if we connect to his presence, if we allow him to affect us and consume us, then we will be consumed by his passion. We will be consumed by his heart. We will be consumed by his love. And I'm telling you, his love is overwhelming. His love does not just be concerned himself with me and mine. He, he, he is an all-consuming God who is pursuing not just the 99, but the one. When we sing this song, we say, you know, all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. What it's speaking to is a parable in the scripture where the good shepherd would leave the 99 to go pursue the one. Would leave the crowd. I mean, 99, that's a good number. If I got a 99 on the test, oh my gosh. I'd be celebrating. I wouldn't even think about that one. God bless that one. But God is so in love and enraptured by reaching us all that he would leave the 99 to pursue the one. Can we love like that? Not without his spirit. It's impossible. It's impossible. Over the course of our church existence we want to be a people we want to be marked by as a people who are pursuing the presence of God not just because we want to have goosebumps we want to cry we want to get emotional I thank God for emotion thank God for encounters but because we understand if we don't pursue him eventually at some point even our well intentions will be motivated by our selfishness If we're not pursuing him, if his spirit isn't fueling the work, it will be very short-lived. It might have a nice momentary impact, but just like fireworks on the 4th of July, it might be loud, it might be bright, it might be amazing and awe-inspiring in a moment, but it'll eventually fizzle out. God wants you to experience lifelong belonging in him. God wants us to experience the kind of relationship and spiritual family that can actually endure legitimate offense, that can endure relational and racial tensions in our country. I remember seeing a text after the elections, and someone said this thing, and it just made me so angry. It said, for those of you who are going to Multi-ethnic churches, how does it feel to know that there are snakes in the grass? Just that spirit of division coming to break people up. I thank God that the spirit of God is strong enough, is palatable enough, 
is powerful enough to actually walk a people who maybe culturally there's never been more tension or we haven't felt this kind of tension in decades. He can navigate us through those minefields to where when people look at us and they go, how do you go to that church? You say, it's but by the grace of God. I'm overwhelmed with love. I don't know how to do it any other way. We haven't figured it out. I still get offended. I'm still learning how to navigate this, but I'm not giving up because he hasn't given up on me. We need a spirit. So I just want to call us to that. That's really my, my, my pursuit. I've got lots of things. There's more that I'd love to share, and I'll share it at a different time right now. We've got to wrap up. We're going to pursue his presence. I want to encourage you. You know, we're going to have announcements up here. There's ways for us to intentionally build this way. For those of you who believe that God's called you to come to City of Lights, this is your church home, this is your church family. City 101 is going to be a great next step for you. For you to be able to identify and ask questions and hear, what is the heart of this church? Is this the people that I'm called to build with? I believe that if God's called you to be here, we want you to do so with understanding. I want you to know what you're getting into. I want you to know the crazy people that you're going to be around. Because if this isn't your home, God does have one for you. So we want to get you connected. City 101 is a great way to do that. City groups, we're going to have, we've got continued sign up for city groups. City groups going to be starting in a week. We want you to get in there. It's not the only the end-all, be-all of relationship in the church community, but it's a good start. We've got a night of worship coming up on the 28th, 28th of September. Get there. Let's get in the presence of God together. Let's go after God. Even if it's like totally foreign for you. I know some of you, you might be coming here today. Like what? Why are so many people raising their hands? Why is this dude in the first row or the third row or the back row singing so loud? He doesn't even have a mic. Why are you singing? Because we're excited. We love Jesus. We're so glad that you're here to sing with us too. Or just sing in your mind. Whatever, you know, whatever, wherever you're at right now. You're going to open that mouth. It's okay. But we want to come. We want to get into his presence. We want to get around his spirit. We want to be filled with him. Let me pray for you. God, help me. Lord, there's so many things stirring in my heart right now, but I just submit it to you, God. Lord, you are the answer. Lord, we can quote all the different inspirational quotes and phrases that we can think of about unity, about belonging. Lord, we can put together tons of programs and date nights and parties but if you aren't at the center of everything if it's not your spirit that's motivating it Lord it's going to be so hollow so Lord I ask that you would meet each person today or wherever they are well Lord I pray that you would those who have been estranged and felt very distant from your people and from your spirit and maybe even hurt and offense turned them away and pride has kept them away. Holy Spirit, I ask that you meet them right there. Just help them to trust again. Lord, did you just give them the courage to show up even next week? And just continue to position themselves even as you're working on their heart and they're taking baby steps. Lord, I pray that Lord, for those, Lord, there's some of you in here and you have been so full. It's like you, you are so, you've been like a sponge. You've soaked up his presence. The Lord's not just calling you to be filled, but to be poured out. 
He wants to use you to create this sticky environment of love. And he wants to, he's calling you to invite people to your home, to open your home, to open your heart, to open your resources. Lord, I pray that you'd give him the courage to say yes to you. Lord, we cannot do this without you. This community is not sustained by music and lights, signage and coffee bars. It's not by gifting and eloquence. It's not by inspirational talks and awe-inspiring music. It is by your spirit. So spirit of the living God, change us, transform us, fill us, draw us to yourself, help us to be a community of belonging, a people who belong to you, a people who are committed to connecting with you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter,